Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Tommy, don't blow this. 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 You need this. You need this. You need this. Daddy loves you. Hello, friends. It's Tommy Handsome here from the Next Reels Film Board Gang of Thugs, and I'd like to welcome you to my second edition of the TNR short. No, no, wait. Hear me out. 
And for you three fans of my last short, rest assured that I've bought a mic filter so I no longer sound like I'm trying to beatbox whenever I breathe. No, no, wait, hear me out! Highlight some of the overlooked pieces of cinema that, in my opinion, deserve a second chance. And it's going to work like this. I'm going to start talking about a film that, at first, sounds stupid, and you'll think that I'm stupid for talking about it. But then I'll give you some reason to think that I'm not so stupid, and then you'll start to feel stupid because you thought I was stupid. And then you'll start having an existential crisis over the nature of stupidity in general, and how it relates to all of us on a universal level, I mean, was Forrest Gump right? Stupid is, stupid does, sir. And if stupid does as it is, how can stupid be stupid in the first place because if stupid defines stupid, then how does one define what is stupid apart from non-stupid and I'm lightheaded and I do not remember how this opening began because I had a really hard day and I'm pretty sure that my dog Foster has committed identity theft. Bad dog! No identity theft! Stop it! Okay. More on that in a bit. For my second episode, I'd like to discuss the underrated 1985 horror film Return of the Living Dead, a film that could be described as the fourth sequel to the George Romero's 1968 classic Night of the Living Dead. This film follows a band of sometimes Mohawk teenage punks that fight off zombies to the tunes of 80s hard rock music. And it really... Whoa, 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 wait! No, wait, hear me out! This happened last time. I can sense you already pressing pause and going back to that next episode of 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. Spoiler alert, and with all due respect to Hannah, we got it after Reason 6. And Clay, listen to the tapes already. People have errands to run. Alright, so if you're still with me, then hear me out. First, some quick backstory about the film. Backstory, back, backstory, it's like now, but instead from before. In 1968, director George R. Romero teamed up with writer John Russo to create the now infamous horror classic Night of the Living Dead. That film is largely credited with starting the zombie genre that has long infatuated the American film and television market. With long notable gaps occurred in between resurgences, The genre was reinvigorated by Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later, and then again by Robert Kirkman's graphic novel and later AMC's TV series based on said graphic novels, The Walking Dead. Sidebar, Danny Boyle was given a ton of credit at the time of 28 Days Later's release for making the zombie genre fresh by allowing his zombies to run versus shamble along all zombie-like as is seen in Romero's original film. Let's put a pin in that. Writer John Russo was reportedly unimpressed by Romero's original 1968 film, and during their creative separation, Russo was given the exclusive rights to the phrase, Living Dead. George R. Romero went on to make sequels to his original film, including the masterful Dawn of the Dead in 1978, and then Day of the Dead later, which was... Not as masterful. Anyways, in both of those titles, note the lack of the word living. In the mid-80s, writer John... Okay. Foster, my dog Foster is just staring at me from across the room, and he's giving me a real snitches get stitches vibe. So I guess I need to quickly explain what I mentioned before, if only for my own safety. 
On a walk earlier today, a bird flew over him and its shadow flew on the sidewalk in front of him and he saw the shadow and chased it like it was a real thing and he ran headlong into a trash can and he fell over and he looked embarrassed. And a guy was walking by and laughed at Foster and Foster kind of narrowed his eyes and growled a bit, but I didn't think much of it. And now out of nowhere, that guy's wallet is in my apartment. I'm not kidding. I don't know how Foster got it, but I'm a bit worried. Okay. Um, all right. Let's go back to the podcast. Where was I? In the mid 80s. Writer John Russo, the same one that wrote Night of the Living Dead, teamed up with director Dan O'Bannon to create Return of the Living Dead. It was reviewed by some as campy and out of touch, and that it walked an uneasy path between comedy and horror. Ultimately, Return of the Living Dead was a non-canonical kind of sequel to a film from over 17 years beforehand in a zombie genre that had lost all of its heat. It was somewhat successful at the box office, but didn't make too many waves when released. And it has the words return of the in its titles. Unless those words are followed by things like King or Jedi, it's usually a pretty grim affair. So why do I care about this film? Because podcasties, Return to the Living Dead is actually really awesome and surprisingly important in the world of horror film mythology. And most importantly, it has the Tommy Handsome seal of approval. That's a thing. And here's why you should hear me out. Seeing me in, that's dumb. Hearing me out, that's great. Hear me out, you podcasty jerks. All right, here we go. Mitigating factor number one. When I mentioned the name Dan O'Bannon, did it sound familiar? If you're a true film nerd, then first, thanks for your lunch money, chump. Now get your own. And more importantly, Dan O'Bannon wrote the screenplay for Ridley Scott's Alien and also Paul Verhoeven's Total Recall. So, quote, micro changes in air density, my ass. And quote, oh, Blue Skies on Mars, that's a new one? That's all him. So this is a writer well-versed in horror and some might say, in the case of Total Recall, subversive storytelling. Along that line, mitigating factor number two, Return of the Living Dead was incredibly meta for its time. When you think about horror films really starting to look back at themselves and the tropes they involve, the current most common answer might be Wes Craven's 1996 horror classic Scream, which involved numerous characters referencing the fact that horror and slasher films actually exist and that stupid people in them are stupid. Granted, Craven had already run this ground in his somewhat overlooked New Nightmare, the very metal sequel to the beloved Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, where the actual actors and director of the series are haunted by the flesh-scarred demon their parents created. And from there, you can jump to Joss Whedon's Cabin in the Woods, which was key. Oh, come on! All right, hold on. No! No! No identity theft! Okay, I'm really sorry. Remember that guy's wallet that my dog stole before? I just looked over and my dog Foster is downloading porn on my laptop using that guy's credit card. This is so embarrassing. Just please give me one second to... Wait. This isn't porn. Oh, it's just a lot of pictures of sticks. Oh, that's a relief. Good boy. Wait, why did I think my dog would download porn in the first place? Wait, why do you need a credit card to download pictures of sticks? 
Wait, this is my credit card. Okay, lots of questions, lots of questions. Bad dog. Let's keep going. To sum up the meta of it all, in Return of the Living Dead, O'Bannon's characters are completely aware of the original Night of the Living Dead film and reference it right up top. And through conversations by the characters involved, Romero's original film is recontextualized, if that's a word, as a military cover-up to a fake real-life situation involving reanimated corpses from the result of poison gas. And said real-life scenario is repeated when our protagonists accidentally release the reanimating gas that brings the corpses around them to life. That is insanely meta. And this is in 1985. I'm honestly not even sure we were using the word meta back then. Mitigating factor number three. Remember when I brought up the idea of zombies running versus shambling? That's right. 17 years before Boyle's running zombies exploded onto the zombie genre and 28 days later, O'Bannon ditched the shambling and had his zombies running full tilt in a number of terrifying sequences in Return of the Living Dead. And finally, mitigating factor number four, in O'Bannon's film, we actually get a look from the zombie point of view. For me, one of the most potential horrifying ideas about the zombie genre in general has rarely been touched upon. In most media, all zombies are shuffling creeps that want to eat living people and that's that. But I was always horrified by the idea that they might have actual consciousness, a part of their humanity still inside their rotting bodies, still aware of what they're doing. And in a way, O'Bannon gives it to us in this film. While the practical effects don't hold up that great during the sequence when our trap protagonists are able to trap and strap down a half zombie to a table in order to interrogate her, their brief conversation they have with the half zombie is actually horrifying in nature. Lil Zombo explains that she needs to eat brains. Okay, again, this is a departure from much of zombie canon, where zombie folks are usually down to just eat basic human flesh. You can hear me. Yes. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. Brains only. Yes. Why? The pain. What about the pain? The pain of being dead. It hurts to be dead. I can feel myself rot. Eating brains. How does that make you feel? It makes the pain go away. It hurts to be dead? I don't know about you, but that is one of the most horrifying posits to be presented by a film of any genre in all time, in my personal estimation. And while that sounds like a huge downer and a huge, enormous spoiler, it's just a small part of a film swimming in 80s camp and music, both played for irony and scares, a great cast that is in on the joke while also able to deliver the appropriate terror involved, incredible practical stunts that involve dozens and dozens and dozens of extras, true laughs, and true moments of really scary stuff, 
and one of the most shocking endings I've ever seen for a film, especially from the 80s. Honestly, there's so much more I could talk about regarding this film, but... Oh, what? What are you... Uh, okay, now my dog Foster is on Amazon, and what are you ordering? Air Bud? You know we already have Air Bud. We watch it every... Okay. All right. Okay, my foster situation is getting out of hand, but please do yourself a huge favor and check out Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead. It'll make you scared. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you think twice about ever dying. And it'll be the first time you ever chuckle hearing the phrase, send more paramedics. So there you have it, podcast champions. If you give the film a chance and like it, let us know. If you've already seen the film and love it, let us know. If you've already seen the film and hate it, then please send your credit card information to my puppy Foster and he guarantees you a full refund for your opinion. Wink, wink. I'm Tommy Handsome and thank you so much for listening to this. No, no, wait, hear me out. Short. Pass that, champion podcasties. I'll see you next time on the next Real Film Board. And as always, I love you very much and don't ever die just in case it hurts. You're actually a good dog, Foster. I love you. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.